Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, Tom will dive into the UK's controversial 14-day quarantine, and I'll give an update on India's international flight ban. I'll discuss two special deliveries for British Airways, and Joe will take us on a deep dive into what's going on at Alaska Airlines. Finally, I'll tell you about an unusual flight in Taiwan that never leaves the airport. So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. Okay, so Tom, once again, you've been flying around and I'm so yes. jealous. I'm still homebound. But uh, so last time, I think you shared with us what it was like to fly during the pandemic. Hmm. Um, but now you've experienced firsthand the UK's controversial quarantine, as you put it. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Sure. So um, last week, when we recorded the podcast, I was back in London um, and I was under house arrest in the UK because I'd entered the country from a different country. Um, and at the moment, until the 10th of July, actually, um, anyone entering the country has to quarantine for 14 days, regardless of if they've come from a country that has no reported cases of COVID or yeah. if they've had a test that shows that they don't have COVID, they mm -hmm. still have to quarantine. Although, it's been an interesting one because, like, right from the start, um, airlines were criticizing it. Um, O'Leary was saying how it was rubbish because it was only being policed by mobile phone calls. And you could answer that at a golf course and say you were just in the garden. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was interesting. But I mean, like, I was good and I did follow the rules, which is annoying on hindsight because no one checked that I was at the house for the three days that I was in the UK. Oh, so I you could have, could have been anywhere, happily. really. Yeah, I could have gone to the supermarket. That's probably about all that's open, though. <laughs> so I didn't miss much in that respect, but it was just annoying that um, I gave up all this time for no reason. And what even actually annoyed me a bit more was seeing that um, Farage has now come back from um, the US um, and he's now come out of his quarantine and gone to the pub even though he's not been back 14 days yeah so, and he actually posted it himself to his own social yeah. media account I mean you know come on yeah, yeah. so um, <laughs> that's flouting I think somebody, the rules and really not caring about it isn't it yeah I think his defence was that he'd taken a test and he didn't have it so people should form their own opinion but I mean that's not that's how the not system the works no yeah. no 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 and it doesn't um, play well after the whole Cummings incident either. So. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, even him going to the US was controversial because they've got their travel ban on. But um, that's that anyway. But I was pleased to see that from next week, the 10th, or this week even, sorry, uh, from Friday, the blanket 14-day quarantine is finally being thrown out, um, which I actually think may have been a bit of a rushed thing just to, because um, free... Uh, UK Airlines, Ryanair, EasyJet and the British Airways were last Friday taking um, the UK to court over this decision. Mm -hmm. And suddenly on Friday morning, we got an announcement, um, an official announcement saying it was going to end on the 10th of, um, 10th of July, countries to follow later in the day. 
just to kind of avoid that yeah. <laughs> that court case well, pressing. This ahead, is what I, guess. I think. I think um, because obviously the the um, airlines dropped the court case after this was announced, but I feel that this really was rushed for the um, court case because. There were days and days and days went by where we were not getting what we were expecting. And then all of a sudden we got it, but without the list of countries. And I mean, it, otherwise, I can't see any reason why it would have hurt to just wait an extra five or six hours for the list of countries. Um, <laughs> but you will be pleased to know that you can now travel to the UK without quarantining from the wonderful likes of New Caledonia, Monaco... <laughs> right. And yep. the Seychelles. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though there's... Because I think it's all of the uh, British overseas territories are also included in it. That's um, right, yeah. But it's just surprising that even places like Portugal are still on the blacklist. Yeah, I think um, there's some sort of um, number that they, they deem and it's to mm. do with the number of people per head of population. And I think mm. it's got to be under eight or something, eight per 100,000 people or something. And, and because Portugal's got quite a small population and it's had a bit of an outbreak in Lisbon, mm. they've kind of gone over that eight. But I was reading, you know, the funny thing is, England is actually over the eight anyway. You know, we're yeah, still well, like 8.8 is... or something because we, we've got still just so many cases. So by our own rules, we should be quarantining ourselves and not going anywhere, you know, but we're expecting these other countries to let us in. So, yeah, it's a bit mad. This is exactly what baffled me because I was able to travel from a country with a lower incidence of COVID to the UK and have to quarantine. But when I came from the UK back to that country that had the lower incidence, oh, hello, Tom. Go home. You're fine. <laughs> Go to the pub if you like. <laughs> yeah, I've been. It was great. <laughs> Which we can do now, apparently, as well. But uh, I'm not rushing out to be the first, I'd have to say. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's all a bit soon here. But um, mm. no, it's an interesting one. And I am glad to see it scrapped. And I think, you yeah. know, a lot of people have been saying, well, obviously, that would be good go. for British tourism, you know, to get people back in. But I think more important is that it will stop discouraging Brits from going on holiday. And we're such a huge market of money spenders for the likes of Spain and Greece, you know, so they need us to really start booking some summer breaks and getting some money in for the airlines and the tourism industry in those countries, which people weren't going to be keen to do if they had to then come home and stay in their house for 14 days. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. It's good for the summer season, but uh, I do think, you know, there's still work to be done, let's say, in this country. Still a lot of work to be done. So somewhere else where there's uh, still work to be done um, is poor old India. So as, as we know, India restarted domestic flights um, a few weeks ago now. Um, but the date for international flight resumptions just keeps moving back. Um, so back on the 26th of June, they said that the ban would be extended to the 15th of July. But then last week, they've said they've now extended that again. And there will be no international flights allowed before the 1st of August. Um, and for a lot of people, you know, there's huge numbers of people that are either in India trying to get back to their families elsewhere in the world or outside of India and have lost their jobs and want to go back to their families in India. And it's just, you know, it's a complete mess. These people are in terrible 
states. Um, obviously, there's this Van de Barrett mission, which is helping some. But what we're seeing is that all the flights are oversubscribed. You know, they're expensive. A lot of people do, just don't have the money to get on these repatriation flights. Um, so I was digging into the numbers a little bit. And uh, although some people will have headed home already, at the point at which India locked its borders and stopped international flying, um, sort of towards the end of April, there was an estimated 9 million Indians stranded in the Middle East in particular. So 70% of the Indians that were stuck abroad were in the Middle East and 3.4 million were in the UAE alone. So you can imagine, you know, they'd have to send an awful lot of planes to get all those people back to the country. Um, it's just something that's not going to happen without a regularly, regularly scheduled service. Um, and, you know, so the people... People are really, you know, upset with these announcements keep coming out. Um, and there's this, this little clause in the, the notice from the DGCA, which says, um, international scheduled flights may be allowed on selected routes by the competent authority on a case-to-case -case basis. And that kind of gives you a glimmer of hope that maybe they would grant traffic rights to somebody, you know, Emirates, Etihad, to start moving some of these people home. But to date, not a single airline has been given that permission. Um, so at the moment, it's literally only Indian aircraft that are flying in and out of the country. Um, you know, the, the small other glimmer of hope is that Vande Barrett stage four or phase four has begun this week. Um, and that involves more than 900 flights to 17 countries over the next six weeks. Um, and they may well add more to that list as time goes on if there's still demand there. Um, and for the first time, of course, they've got the private airlines involved as well. So it's not just Air India, it's also Indigo are doing over 450 flights um, and Go Air are doing about 50. But, you know, as I said before, all these flights, they seem to sell out within minutes. There's been an awful lot of criticism over the high prices charged and you know for the people that are trapped in India trying to get back out it's really no help at all because these are just flights bringing people home although there have been tales of people getting flights out although this doesn't seem to be a, a kind of clear mission for doing that it just it's a bit of a rumor and there's no sort of booking thing open but uh, the the one last resort really is they are discussing travel bubbles, bilateral travel bubbles with some countries. So in a webinar last week, the um, Airports Authority of India chairman, Mr. Arvind Singh, said that there were talks between India and the US, Canada, Europe, and of course the Gulf countries, and that those talks were moving ahead. Um, but there's been rumbling about these for several weeks now. So whether anything will come of it, I don't know. And I, I think for the people that are stuck, it's still a very, very very difficult situation and it's something that India really needs to get a grip on um, sooner rather than later you know you think yeah. maybe allowing some of these Gulf Airlines in would be the way forward but uh well, I did read on Simple Flying yesterday, I think, that um, now um, United has been given permission to uh, conduct charter flights uh, to Delhi from Newark. Um, oh, fantastic. But again, still, that's um, only for passengers to the United States because of the strict travel restrictions that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So but still, I mean, like economy tickets starting at almost $800. That's not really high on my to-do list. It's a lot for a one-way flight, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's still a, a very awkward situation and uh, mm. obviously something they need to to get sorted out, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. 
So, um, so you were going to tell us about a new plane for British Airways, weren't you? Yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to touch on that and just some other things that have happened because it was a busy week for British Airways. Um, so, let's start with the really great stuff in the aircraft deliveries. So, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting um, for the new 78710 to join the fleet. I mean, uh-huh. um, the first one was meant to be delivered in January and then into the sky for February, but that didn't happen. And then um, then we were told, oh, yeah, it's coming in February, March, April, May, and it just didn't come and it didn't come and it didn't come. And now it's it's here suddenly. Um, on <laughs> last Sunday, it flew across the Atlantic to, to London, um, and it's already been uh, doing its first um, proper long haul flights for the airline this weekend. I think just for cargo at this point. Ah. Um, but still, um, but it was it was really a sort of buy one get one free because I mean the second one wasn't free. But on Wednesday, um, ZBLB arrived, which is the second one. So they've got two in one week. Um, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> after waiting six months for none. <laughs> so I mean that was a nice thing. Um, just. Um, it it shows as well that BA is still committed to their deliveries because a lot of airlines have been like, no, we don't want yeah. our aircraft. Um, we don't need them now, back. so why should we take them? But BA mm-hmm. is still taking A350s. It's still taking the 787s. So I think that's that says a good positive. thing about the airline. Yeah. 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 Can we expect a third one this week, do you think? <laughs> um, I think the third one is still a way off, but you never know. <laughs> Maybe they'll just stick some stickers over somebody else's. <laughs> But, Someone that didn't want theirs yet. <laughs> yeah, but um, there's also some interesting stuff going on at Heathrow as well, because um, obviously we know American Airlines works very closely with British Airways. Um, and they'll now be working even closer in London because they have got permission to move into the exclusive Terminal 5, which originally was just um, British Airways and then Iberia, which is also part of IAG, moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but now uh, I think it's tomorrow when we're recording, so probably two days ago when you're listening, um, <laughs> the American airline is going to move in with BA, um, which will really help with transfers because I've changed yeah. from BA to American Airlines at Heathrow before and it's not fun you've got to take a bus to Terminal 3 and then yeah, yeah. Terminal 5 is quite a way out isn't it it's so not yeah, like just is. walking across a bridge or something yeah it's it's not fun but I mean it's it's an interesting one because um, obviously when they ramp up I assume they'll stay there with them um, mm. But I've always never got my head around why Iberia and now American Airlines have moved to Terminal 5, but um, Aer Lingus, which is still a part of um, IAG IAG and um, is is not in the terminal yet. So that's an interesting one. But um, yeah, and just some other random little tidbits of BA knowledge. Um, (laughs) The airline is also reopening its lounges um, now, which is showing... A slow return to normality. Will they be socially distanced lounges, do you think? I assume they will. Um, I mean, who Stickers knows? Stickers on the floor and uh, seats blocked out and things like that, yeah. That's that's sort of the generic inside the airport thing now, so I assume that would be the case, but I haven't seen it from my own eyes. 
Oh, well, you'll have to book another flight soon, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did see today, actually, I think Heathrow is embarking as the first UK airport to be doing COVID tests. So mm. I need to go away and read up a bit more on that. But um, that's going to be interesting. And I don't know whether that's maybe going to be something the government uses to replace the quarantine. Um, you know, if you're coming from a high incidence area, maybe you have to take a test on arrival. But yeah, uh, we'll yeah it'll be see. interesting to see how that plays out. Mm. So from one side of the Atlantic to the other, um, I was going to talk a bit about Alaska Airlines because we don't talk about them enough on this show, I don't think. And they're a fabulous little airline. Well, not so little anymore, really. Um, back from their days doing the milk run to now a, you know, an airline with a couple of hundred aircraft and doing lots and lots of operations. So I had the pleasure of sitting in on a, an interview with um, Alaska Airlines CEO. Um, and it was really interesting to hear about kind of where they've been and where they're going. So Obviously, it's been a very difficult couple of months. That goes without saying. Um, Brad Tilden said that they've had 55 days where they had more cancellations than new bookings. And for 30 of those days, they were on net refunds. So they were actually losing more cash than they were getting in in terms of revenue. Um, but things are improving. Um, at, at the very lowest point, they were down to shifting about 4,000 people a day. And this this is an airline that normally shifts about 130,000 a day. So, you know, a, a fraction of what they used to move. Um, but just before the 4th of July, we weekend last weekend they were up to about 45,000 people ahead of the celebrations and you know although that's an exception he'd said that in general they're averaging about 35 to 36,000 passengers a day so pretty good you know a, a massive recovery from 4,000 and of course they're doing all the usual things to get people back on the plane um their particular scheme is called Next Level Care. And there's something like 100 different ways that they're working on keeping passengers safe. So obviously, like some other airlines, they're blocking the middle seat, but only till the end of this month. And then, of course, we've got enhanced cleaning and, of course, the mandatory face coverings. Um, and they've got quite an interesting way of encouraging people to wear their face coverings. I saw um, this. <laughs> which involves, a, I would say, football. But for our American listeners, it's soccer. Yeah, it, <laughs> so it almost hurt my measure. heart writing soccer in the title for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's definitely football this side of the pond. And uh, obviously, in the football game, you have a yellow card, which means that you've done something naughty. And it's like your final warning. You're not quite sent off, but you're you're on your final warning. And that's exactly the, the measure that Alaska Airlines is using. Um, so they will give out a yellow card for people that are not complying with the face covering rule. Um, and as well as serving is a bit of a warning to say that you could potentially be banned from flying with them for a period of time if you continue to not cooperate. It's also got a list of useful information on it, which is all about why covering your face is important, who's allowed to go without face coverings, and, you know, just general kind of coronavirus safety information. So I think it's quite a novel approach and probably quite a good one. You know, it's kind of empowering the, the flight attendants to actually do more than just ask people nicely because they're yeah. not... They're not really given much in the way of tools to to get people to do as they're told. But uh, I think it's a great move. I think it's very, very Alaska, <laughs> you know, quite fun. Um, 
So one of the big questions that everybody's asking is what is coronavirus going to do to airfares? Um, when JetBlue's COO, Joanna Gegarty, was asked about this, she said that she didn't think there'd be any change at all. Um, Brad Tilden said that actually what he's seeing is that airfares are going down. Um, so that's a really interesting take because I think we all assumed that it would get more expensive to fly. Um, so what he's saying is that because people don't, well, at the moment, American carriers that have taken the CARES funding cannot lay off any staff. And the people that can, they don't really want to. So there's almost an oversupply of flights. So in the short term, at least, there is there are likely to be lower prices for the fares. Um, so in general, I think things are looking pretty good for Alaska. They've said they, you know, they've got a strong leisure base, a strong domestic network. They operate small planes. So um, they think they're going to recover strong. Um, they're already planning to go back to Hawaii as soon as the 14-day quarantine scrapped, which is the, the 1st of August. Um, people do need a COVID test first, but um, Brad Tilden said he expects it to be a worthwhile investment for Americans that are hungry for their vacation. Um, and yeah. I tend to agree. It, it does depend a little bit on how much it costs. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is that's my opinion, you know, because um, Lufthansa is now op offering the test for 60 euros. And yeah, I'd happily pay that before a holiday. But I mean, the antibody test in Germany at the moment, I think, is 120 euros. And gosh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to take that if it said yes, you've had it. Yeah. But I feel like if you, it said no, you haven't, then it's a bit of a waste of money. <laughs> Well, exactly. Um, I do think that the way that Hawaii set it up it is the right way because they're saying you've got to get it before you travel. Mm. You can have it up to 72 hours before you travel but then, and you have to have your test results in hand. So there's no risk of you sort of getting on the plane and arriving in Hawaii all ready to have a vacation and then, oh, sorry, you're going to have to stay in your hotel for the duration of your holiday because you're my, uh, coronavirus positive. My only question with this sort of method of doing it, though, is like, so say you take the test 72 hours before you fly yeah. you can do a lot in 72 hours you can, well, you can. bump into there somebody and get it too. so yeah this is you could my you wonder could. There doesn't seem to be any right way to do it. I mean, we were mm. we had a trip to Iceland booked before this all before everything closed down. Um, so we've still got the flight credits sitting there for our little trip to Iceland, and we're keen yeah. to go. But at the moment, you get your coronavirus test on arrival, and it costs about a hundred English pounds, so about one hundred and twenty dollars per person, which is a big investment when it's four of us going. You know, yeah. so uh, for a start, that's kind of put us off. And also, you know, if we do get there and we somehow have it then you're stuck there yeah. doing absolutely nothing and you kind of wasted all that money so and yeah, you've that's... potentially got those healthcare bills as well exactly so yeah we're, we're putting that all on the back burner until quite a lot later in the year though Mm. Um, but anyway, back to Alaska. So um, just to wrap it up, really, they are still pushing ahead with their One World membership, which will be very exciting for the airline, I think. Um, and he actually said that they're accelerating the process. So while we thought they were going to be joining next year, he's hoping to get his formal invitation by the end of this month and then to actually complete the joining process before the end of 2020. Um, and that's not the only thing that might be happening at Alaska before the end of 2020, because oh. Brad Tilden says he's absolutely committed to the 737 MAX. And as we know, that's been progressing forward with its flight tests. Um, and there are already two all decked out in Alaska's livery ready to go. So once the FAA gives it its thumbs ups, we could be seeing Alaska taking it to the skies before the end of this year. OK. Hmm. So there you go. You could be going to Hawaii on a MAX.
Yikes. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no comment on that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not convinced that it's near getting back in the sky right just yet but no I think the last estimates was kind of mid-September mm. and we do know how much that goalpost moves so yeah maybe I we mean, will maybe we won't <laughs> I think mid-September was also based on tests starting a lot sooner but I don't know right well we'll see I'm not we'll really see. clued up on it so it would be a terrible shame to see it drag on beyond two years, but yeah. uh, it, it still remains a possibility, I'd say, if anything else yep. gets thrown up that needs fixing. So we'll just have, we'll to, have wait to wait and see. see. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Great minds think to like phrase on the podcast. <laughs> podcast catchphrase, that yeah. cheese sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so um, just to close the, the podcast, really, um, I just wanted to tell our listeners about um, I don't know. Unusual, bizarre, crazy Amazing. flight. Amazing, <laughs> Amazing flight. Really. Um, I'd where, pay for it. <laughs> well, it was free. So people in Taiwan um, can take a flight on China Airlines on their lovely A330 to absolutely nowhere. Um, so this is an initiative that China Airlines and Eva Air have been doing in partnership with Taipei's Songshan Airport. Um, welcoming travellers who want to pretend to leave the country. So the lucky winners get a full security and immigration experience, so all the worst bits of your holiday. <laughs> um, you even get to shop in duty-free, but you're not allowed to buy tobacco, apparently. Um, oh, no. And you can go into the lounge and enjoy some snacks and drinks. Um, you then queue up at your gate and board the plane. Uh, you take your allocated seat and have the full safety demo, as well as lots of information on what the airline's doing to protect people from coronavirus. And then you have a 15-minute virtual flight, which just involves sitting there, from what I can understand. And then you get off again. <laughs> so, well, my only it, question is, like, how seriously does immigration work? Because um, <laughs> I, well, no, I know when they were talking about testing the new Berlin airport, they had... Uh, they needed people to pretend to get off a flight, and they said uh, the immigration proceedings are optional. However, they will be very much real. So I feel like oh. if you've been caught, uh, if you'd gone through um, with like a dodgy passport or something, they would have stopped you. Well, quite possibly, quite possibly. Mm. I know some of the some of the people were using the the airport's brand new sort of um, their equivalent of the e gates. I don't yeah. really, kind of think remember what they're called over there, but uh, but yeah, they so they were doing the proper thing with proper passports and everything. And I guess if you didn't have a passport, you probably wouldn't be allowed to take the uh, virtual flight. But yeah, uh, well, speaking of e gates, I found it quite interesting when we flew back because um, in Germany only German citizens are allowed to use the e-gates at the moment so I had oh. to queue up with everyone else and oh. speak to someone for the first time in forever oh no yeah <laughs> disaster mm. <laughs> well it's been incredibly popular this crazy flight to nowhere um, so they all together were running three days of these tours I mean I know it sounds mental but essentially I'd what it, it was was the airport showcasing all the improvements it's done during the lockdown so they've had a lot of refurbishment works the lounges have been upgraded the boarding mm -hmm. gates have been improved so they wanted everyone to get a chance to check it out and it seems like people really really wanted to because for the 
few places that were available, more than 7,000 people applied to take part. And I think over the three days, there were 30 people allowed to go, plus a guest. So like 60 people per tour. Okay. So a lot of people were very disappointed that they didn't get to go on a flight to nowhere. Hmm. <laughs> I would have I'm been. not sure how I feel. I really, no, I, I think, uh, no, I, I'd have really? rather stayed home. Yeah. Oh, no, I would have loved that. <laughs> but you've been on a real plane, Tom. I mean, I know. You know, why do you need to go on a fake trip when you have been able to fly away? The airport is the best part. <laughs> I beg to differ. The flying is the best part, but uh, we'll leave that decision but up to our listeners. You can't get beef and cheese sandwiches from Burger King on the plane. <laughs> There's the sandwich. <laughs> that's not a sandwich, that's a burger. That's not a sandwich. Okay. <laughs> well, I think on that note, that's quite enough for the today's podcast. Um, as always, we hope you enjoyed it and welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.